everybody. Welcome to another episode of Sunshine and Brain, part of the Terry Veritas Network. This is the show where we take conversations about mental health and inner struggle and turmoil and do everything we can to make uh, these conversations as absolutely normal as possible um, and try to have them in the world's most normal way. Uh, this episode is part two of a multi-part uh, sort of special focus on uh, racism in America. Um, in, uh, you know, another conversation between me and Andre, where we try to dive into the ways in which, uh, you know, I and, uh, other white people and the structure of our society have, have been racist and the impact it's had. Um, and so this is just a continue of that conversation. Um, look, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Really appreciate it. Um, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time in the intro. I'd like to just go ahead and get to the episode. So as usual, please like, and, uh, share this as much as possible. Um, you know, if you'd like to join in the conversation and take part, um, feel free to write me at josh at periveritas.com. Um, but, uh, um, just thank you so much. And, uh, I hope you enjoy this and, uh, I hope this is, uh, for you just another conversation that, um, really everybody needs to be having. And so uh, without any further ado, let's just go ahead and get into it. Uh, roll the tape. Roll it. All right. Um, all right, here we are again. <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> here we go again. Um, I wonder, did, so like after we talked yesterday, um, and and during the recording yesterday, you were like, no, I don't, I don't think I want to listen um, just because it's like too much and it's already yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff that you know. But then you asked for the link again, and, and I'm wondering if yes. you went and listened to it. Yeah. Uh, so what I did, I think uh, during our talk, you had mentioned we were you were kind of concentrating on the first three episodes or three episodes at a time. So I jumped ahead to like four, five, and six. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so I could kind of be on the same page today. Thank God, I didn't have as much time to prep for four, five, <laughs> and six. So I'm not as like you know, I'm not as. Uh, I'm, honest, I'm really glad you, you did that. That's backup. All right. So what did you, what did you think? Um, the stuff that like, uh, so yeah, a bunch of things. I'll start with the, a lot of the things on the native American side. Yeah. The treatment of native Americans. I could say that like really resonated with a lot of like things I read up on back, back in the day. And, uh, that, that whole, so like my family, they're, they're Caribbean, Jessica's family and they're, they're Caribbean essentially. Yeah. And uh, so there's like a big melting pot of, you know, Europeans, Africans and Native Americans is kind of like the mixture. Uh, huh. So it's almost like a fusion of, of all the cultures and all those bloodlines. So we've talked ad nauseum about it, uh, Jessica and I, my family and I, about how there is that European pattern. <laughs> and, you know, it's we can see it every time a European country goes to another country, uh, whether it's past, past or present. Uh, or deals with a culture that's not really familiar with the tactics or, or hasn't figured, or figured it out. And it's like, you know, the the perfection of, <laughs> you know, one divide and conquer. and um, But more importantly, that is kind of just like the weird debt schemes and the mind games and the double talk uh, where they yeah. kind of like use your, their, your best nature against yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, that, it's, it's the same formula, like again, again, it's like you go in, uh, uh, you act friendly at first, usually you don't usually come in, you're like, oh, you know, we're friends, we're going to help you, <laughs> uh, let's trade, let's uh, get you into debt, 
uh, and we'll corrupt your mind with the, you know, the Bible and some other Western philosophies. <laughs> yeah. And tell you what's going on and totally start inching you out. And then when we're ready, then we'll bring the violence. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's, uh, oh man. Yeah. You already got me thinking and, and this isn't, um, even the pieces that I was going to start with, but, uh, but yeah, no, you're, you're a hundred percent right. There's absolutely a pattern here. And what's so fascinating about it is that I think I, I think I might kind of sort of know what it is in, in one way, but like, it's also very interesting. Another, like the, the story about Sibley that gets covered in the, um, I think it's episode five, um, where he's the, you know, uh, when he's a young man, he goes and he connects with in a really strong way and, and, um, uh, um, starts to work with and do business with the, uh, what do you call it? The Dakota community up in Minnesota. And then, you know, and then as he gets older, like he starts to go in debt, like in serious debt. And suddenly there's like, he wants to get out of the fur trading business yeah, um, yeah, because yeah. it's not lucrative there. And suddenly, you know, he's staring down the barrel of like just an unreal amount of debt, but he doesn't, he doesn't want to like, you know, sit in it with the friends that he had made in the Dakota right, right. community. Instead, what he does is he uses his position as a white man there and, yeah. um, and essentially is like the central figure in stealing their land from them. Um, I remember, uh, as an aside to this, it makes me think of, uh, I wish I could remember where I saw this bill some years ago, but um, when the AIDS crisis first started hitting Africa, and um, there was uh, something about like uh, entrepreneurs and uh, small groups of people doing small but, uh, thing, small things that were, were helping out there, uh, mostly people from America and Europe. Uh, but there was, was an African lady there who was uh, talking about how, you know, once uh, industrial farming comes in from like other countries and things, and it's like a factory farming type of scenario, you get food like uh, bigger, better, faster, supposedly. But for example, like bread isn't really like bread anymore. Like you go to the store and you buy like a loaf of bread that has almost no nutritional value. Right. And so she went back and rediscovered how to make, you know, just traditional bread and was slowly kind of like teaching, you know, native populaces, uh, like how to do for themselves again that way. Cause like, all right, you're sick, you're dying with AIDS. Nutrition is very important. Here's one thing you can do yourself. Yeah. Um, so what happens is some white lady from here, I believe it was from, yeah, from the States, um, went to one of her classes to learn how to do the bread and turned it into a business instead of for profit business instead. And this was like a, you know, put on the news as like a big success story. Like, oh yeah, look at this great entrepreneur. And I was just like, typical. Like, it's, just, <laughs> it's like it's, as soon as I saw the lady before the story even changed, I was like, I know exactly how this movie is going to end. <laughs> like, it's, it's like, how can I make this profit me? <laughs> it's what being in the club does to you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that's like yeah, that's. Yeah. That's what we're talking about here. I mean, yeah. because it's what, I mean, it's, it, on one hand, like, like we see this European pattern, right, of like coming in and, you know, in this really crazy, interesting way of both growing connected to you, loving you, and then turning around and taking advantage of you. 
And we might say like, well, that's just like, there's just something in the waters of Europe, you know, that, that made people like this, you know? Um, and, I, you know, there might be something to that, but a big part of what we're doing here is we're talking about like how there really is no such thing as race and we're all 99.9, you know, percent the same or whatever. So like, what is it about this situation that's, you know, causing these folks to react like this? And the best thing I can think of is that, I mean, it's really nice to be in the club. Yeah. So you have to like go through these mental gymnastics. I mean, that's like one of the points that like that they make, I think in episode four where she's like, uh, God, how, how did she put it? Oh, I just, I, I just lost my train of thought there. I don't even remember like what, what I was going to say. <laughs> oh my it's God. I'm um, so, yeah, my, my, I just can feel my neural pathways rearranging with a lot of yeah, this stuff. Trying and, to make new connections. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I remember what she said. She said, it's not enough to be successful. You, you have to believe that you're successful because you deserve it. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Remember that line? It's often not, yeah, and it's often not the case. So that's like a big disconnect. I mean, you have to gr- you have to grind at basically everything. But two people grinding, sure. one person makes it, another person doesn't, and it's a lot of it's just luck. You're in the right place at the right time in the right way, and mm-hmm. it happens for you in the right way. Do you know what I mean? And then, sure, you know. There's a lot of luck involved. I mean, you got to be born in the right place. You know, there's like so many things. Yeah, yeah. When you hear about like, like even like athlete stories, you know, in almost every case, like they, <clears throat> at some point, an influential coach comes along and shows them how to do it the right way. So how many, um, you know, incredibly talented people out there don't, you know, make it to the next step because they just don't have a person out there to show them what the what the right way is you know what i mean like yeah i don't know yeah so it's like there, there's a running uh frustration uh, i'm not sure if it's the same for women but i'm sure it is black women but uh for black men we talk about this all the time in up here up north it's uh you know so if i meet uh some quote-unquote uh successful black guy or you know so usually economically socially we're talking about specifically right Right. And, uh, you know, you get in a conversation with the guy and you just want to know, hey, you know, how, how'd you do it? You know, what, what can you teach me? Like, yeah. Uh, how'd you escape poverty or some such? And universally, the answer is always the same thing. I don't know, man. You just got to go get it on your own. You got to figure it out on your own. <laughs> there's, there's no, there's very few uh, successful black guys who are like, you know, going to advise you or uh, mentor you on like how to improve yourself or improve your situation and on that way. It's like, again, the, the zero sum game is <laughs> like all, all for me and, and nothing for the next person. And it's like, so you just they, figure it out on your own. Like, I don't even. <laughs> right. Right. And of course, a lot of, as you know, like a lot of it's not just figuring it out. You can know everything and still not uh, succeed in that way because you also have to have the right connections. You know? Right. Right, exactly. Part of that is how you did it is like, hey, introduce me to your network. And like, cause no, 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 no. Like, what is he going to get out of it is really a bigger question. Right. Introduce you to somebody. Right. But that's the thing when you look at the, the Sibley story, you know, there in Minnesota is, is uh, you know, he, he grew connected to these pe- people. He grew, mm-hmm. to, he grew to love them. He grew to um, be very proud of the fact that he was 
connected to them and that was like a big part of his story but then ultimately he showed himself to be a coward because mm-hmm. when faced with the possibility of not being able to really enjoy being a part of the white club he threw them under the bus as soon as he could which meant like i'm here to love you but i'm not going to be you yeah it's like as soon as it's an inconvenience he can just throw it off right 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 so i mean that's like it seems like that's a a big part of the story right like yeah you know i think i look at like me for example and it's like well okay what am i willing to do for this cause and it, it's like there are two questions. It's like, what should I be willing to do for this cause? Right. And then what am I willing to be do to, you know, what am I willing to do for this cause? And that's a real look in the mirror gut check question, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you start coming up with excuses. I mean, would I go to jail for it? You know, would I take up arms for it? Right. You know, and then it's like, well, I have children. Well, it's like, yeah, well, my yeah, children live in this country. Do you know, like, so, mm-hmm. it, it, I don't know. It becomes a really, really interesting thing. And a big part of that is this might mean that I don't get to be in the club anymore. Yeah. And um, and then you're just not in the club anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at what they do, like, when people go to prison. You know, like, if you go to prison, you don't, you can't vote after that. Yeah, yeah. Right. So there's a disproportionate amount of African-Americans who go to prison, like by huge numbers, um, mm-hmm. enormous numbers. But white people, you know, sometimes go to prison, too. And when they do, they lose their right to vote. They, you know, it's like they're out of the club now. You know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. So, yeah. That, so what are what else jumped out at you with these with these things? Any other like things you want? I want to like go one at a time through them again and like you know, do a bit more of a deep dive. Cause I think there's a couple really interesting components in there. Um, especially along the lines of, you know, trying to continue to define what it means to be white and some really good examples of just like how weird it is and random it is in terms of how, yeah. you know, they sort of gone about doing it. Um, but what is, was there anything else that jumped out at you? Yeah. Along the same lines was the, uh, there are notes on Christopher Columbus, uh, and I was kind of happy to to hear that because that seems to be like a tale that only blacks and Native Americans know. <laughs> which which so part of them talk about it? It was uh, in, interesting that like you know the second he he got there and you know couldn't find gold and you still looking to profiteer and it's just like well there are people here yeah we can bring people that yeah. can be profitable you know we can just use them I can sell them yeah you know just instantly it's like the first first line of thought. And it's just like, yeah, you know, it, Chris, I'm sorry, Italians, Christopher Columbus is not a hero. I'm sorry, he's not. Like, yeah, if, if and, you find that to be a heroic deed to go somewhere and, and say, oh, I discovered this, and, you know, people are already there, you didn't discover anything, and then yeah. this is how you treat them. It's yeah. like your first action. That that's If that's what a hero is in your culture, then I don't want any part of your culture. <laughs> you can just stay away from it. Like, yeah. That's crazy. That's that's disgusting, really. Yeah, and not, and not just that, but, like, brought them over and openly was saying how welcoming they were <laughs> and helpful yeah, yeah, they yeah. were. These, yes, these, yeah. these poor innocent people, you know, that we can exploit very easily because of, because of their kind hearts and innocence, essentially. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, so that's like a good record of, uh, you know, taking another culture for your economic gain. 
you know, yeah. like it, it almost all, it started before that, but that's like a, a very clear cut intersection of like the capitalism and the racism game coming together like very neatly. Yeah. You know, I had never, um, drawn a connection between American slavery and American genocide of native Americans. Um, I, I had never, like, I always thought of those things as two separate stories. And in a lot of ways, um, basically in every way, I, I, um, I don't think as much about the Native American genocide as I do about slavery. Um, and a part of that is probably because, I, you know, I, I know African Americans and love them. I don't know, right, aside right. from Eric now, you know, I don't really know any Native Americans, um, but I know Eric now. Um, and so, you know, that's a thing. But like, that was one of the really illuminating things from, you know, listening to these three episodes we're talking about today, because, you know, they really went hand in hand. Like that's what defined the white club was, you know, being white meant that you had the right to own black people and you had the right to the land of native Americans and you could do whatever necessary to get either one of those things, you know, both of yeah, this whole I, I rights of property prevailing over everything else uh, yeah. comes right down to like these uh, so-called riots that are happening uh, on small scales here and there. Yeah. Where there's way more concern about a burnt down store than there is about, you know, a, a guy getting choked to death or hung right. from a tree or shot right. to death or beaten to death by law enforcement a lot of times. You right. Know, often times by citizens, but often by law enforcement. It's like, Oh, we know that was, you know, all right, we can agree, you know, killing George Floyd was uh, bad, but, uh, you know, you know, but tearing down the neighborhood. Oh, I mean, how could they? So, like, right. destroying a building is somehow equivalent to destroying a black or a native life. Right. And, like, right. all I have to say is we catch that every time. Right. I don't think white people catch what they're saying in that moment, but we catch it every time. When I hear stuff like that, we're like kind of all texting each other and we're saying they still haven't learned. Yo, there's a, there I, I find, and again, like blind spots, right? So like, mm. this is something that like I've thought, you know, I definitely have like thought this, which is like, you know, you, you look at folks who are um, looting and breaking windows and, and, and protesting violently. And it's like, you're taking away from the message of what you're trying to do here. Right. And so that's like a thought that I have when I see that sometimes, but then, yeah. you know, I hear the, I hear the quote, look, violence is the, is the language of the voiceless. And yeah. it's like, okay, well now I can understand it, but you know what I didn't think before right now, like this moment when a police officer kills someone, you know, um, they are undermining what their message is supposed to be, <laughs> and you yeah. never can, you never hear they people never look like, at it that way. They never look at it that way. It's always like yeah. you know you're taking away from the message. No, the police took away from the message by you know not having a, a whole populations in America who don't trust them. You know, seriously, like that's the root of the problem is their behavior taking away from what the message is supposed to be, which is public yeah. servants. You call us if you need us. You know, yeah, <laughs> protect and serve. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> it's like protect the assets, serve the elite. Got it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, episode four, which is you know, I guess where we're starting now, um, 
for today. It begins by, you know, really kind of diving deeper into, um, you know, what they were looking at in terms of, um, you know, who could be white and who could be black and sort of why. And one of the characters that um, gets interwoven between at least episode four and episode five, that I knew some of this, but I didn't know all of it, was uh, good old Thomas Jefferson. Um, <laughs> did you know, like, did you know that he was a Saxonist as well? I didn't know that he was a Saxonist. I sort I didn't know. I just sort of assumed because it sort of bleeds out into his more well-known writing. Right. You know, because I'm, I'm kind of like, uh, you know, how do you justify, quote unquote, you know, we're all free, but clearly we're not all free and you don't seem to, to have any issue with that. Well, that's the that's the thing about the club is that, you know, they paint it as being, um, you know, based off of science and logic, et cetera. But the whole <laughs> club aspect of being white isn't based off of any of that stuff. It's really extremely illogical. And, you know, you can see in, in Thomas Jefferson's life and in his writings and how he, he approached the issue of race, just how completely illogical it is. You know, it's like, here's this guy that, um, you know, as a young person is writing all about the superiority of Saxons and how Saxons are the most beautiful and um, the most intelligent mm -hmm. and the best and all that stuff. And um, and, uh, absolutely have the right to own slaves, et cetera, to like, you know, later on in life when he's doing things like saying, no, like I recognize that slavery is wrong, but you know, he said it was like holding on to the ears of a wolf or whatever, like, um, like you can't hold on, but you can't let go. Yeah. So how do you, what do you even do there? It's like too hard to just try to think it through to fathering six children with his um, African-American slave. Yeah, that we know of. <laughs> yeah, that we know of, you know, like I think I said to you yesterday, like when was the last time you met someone whose last name was Jefferson who was a white person? You know, like <laughs> um, there's something to be said there about who the descendants of Thomas Jefferson are in this country. But um, it's still like, you know, that that piece is like really interesting. And then not to jump ahead, but, Later on in the next episode, we see through his writings that, you know, just like with, in the case with African, Amer with like slavery, African American, you know, African slavery in America, where, you know, you had this mindset that was like, well, the reason why it happened was because white people just didn't know what was going on. Right. Like they white people just didn't they didn't have the ethical compass and the moral compass to like know that slavery was wrong. And so naturally we treated people poorly. And once we figured out that slavery was wrong, then we ended slavery. You know, that that's just like it's all a story of like attitudes. So it's almost as if like these things that happen weren't like an, an insidious, purposeful subplot thought through by corporate, <laughs> like, you know, billionaires of the time. Um, but, uh, you know, when when you look at Thomas Jefferson, what he does later on is he actually writes down, you know, the kind of methodology of driving Native Americans off their land, um, which was you force them into a situation yeah. where they build up debt and then they exchange their debt for land. Um, and it and it was like really, really purposeful, you know. 
not just like some white person being a uh, just being a dick in a, any single moment or whatever, but like an actual purposeful. This is how we do this, um, mm-hmm. which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like so the whole white man's game is basically a game of who's better at that game. <laughs> Who, right. Who's better at running debt schemes and monopolizing resources. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and exactly. that's a game that other people are not allowed to compete in actually. Right. How do I increase my standing in the club basically? And yeah. one of the best ways to do that is to like, you know, take advantage of people who aren't in the club. God, this is depressing. <laughs> why, why are we doing this again? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We got to fix me, and then we'll <laughs> for punishment. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. All right. So, um, in episode four, one of the first things they do is they start to spell out um, a lot of what was going on in Virginia. It turns out the state of Virginia is pretty central to this story and history of racism uh, in America. Um, and the first thing they start with is the piece about Pocahontas, um, or Pocahontas marries John Rolfe and, um, and, uh, um, Rolfe then becomes potentially, it's theorized the world's first, uh, tobacco, um, producer, world's first tobacco farmer. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, then obviously that's, that's a product that sells itself. Um, right. and, uh, and then, you know, clearly became a big deal in the state of Virginia, and that was like, you know, in the late 1500s or 1600s that he was doing that. And then they had all these descendants who were very wealthy. And, um, you know, when it was time to decide who white people were, they had this conundrum because a major part of the power structure there were descendants from Pocahontas. So they drew the boundary at Pocahontas. <laughs> Like not even like one sixteenth Native American like that. So they were like just that you know, family will give it. Just like yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. They're they're a, they're a yeah. lot slicker now with how they do their laws. It's not quite as <laughs> obvious, but it always yeah. has the same result. <laughs> I know, I know. It's sort of unbelievable. But like you're looking at that, and it's like, all right, this is what we're doing here. So like the first couple episodes, like they're really defining what black is, and it's much easier in a way to define what black is because it's just someone who's from Africa basically. Um, and, uh, but defining white suddenly is a much like tougher boundary to define um, because they needed to figure out who, how to include the people who were in power. So, um, you know, they have that thing and then that becomes eventually the whole one sixteenth or one twenty sixth drop rule or something like that. That becomes sort of like based off of that, but that's like kind of where it starts. And the thing that they're trying to like point out here is that, you know, we tell the story of America where it's a nation that's found success based off of its ideals and ingenuity. And like, you know, what played a big role in America's success in modern times, for example, like a great highway system. <laughs> it's like how we did it with this amazing highway system. But like, mm-hmm. really what you see is that in actuality, the way America was able to become, you know, as powerful as it is, is that we tricked, you know, millions of people into giving us fertile land for free, basically. Um, and, uh, and then we had free labor. Yeah. So it's like, uh, 
like you said, you, you you trick them, you throw them into debt, and use violence. And it's like one, two, three, and you're out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I I I find myself being torn between you know wanting to intellectualize these facts as I learn them, and then also knowing that I need to assimilate them emotionally somehow. And um and yeah. It's like yeah, intellect, like intellectual. My intellectuality is like acting like a shield here, almost because it's just so friggin' ludicrous. Like the whole situation that I'm almost like hearing these stories and just kind of like laughing at human nature. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. But I'm like, gonna, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep taking it back to the same thing, which is capitalism is the major problem like uh capitalism rewards monstrous behavior all right so yeah there's a really good really disturbing documentary on netflix about uh jeffrey epstein recently and um you know so it includes not just his terrible acts against very young uh girls Mm -hmm. but uh kind of his rise to money and power which mm-hmm. was just filled with a lot of lying and a lot of criminality. Yep. And the guy ended up filthy rich mm-hmm. um, and untouchable, essentially, yep. and able to be whatever type of a predator he wanted to. Like, Because yep. at every step of the ladder, capitalism rewards monstrous behavior. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, we, we can play all the psychological games we want about, like, uh, picking apart racism, why somebody racist is a well, huge part of it is capitalism. Yeah. That, 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 that debt scheme, that enlargement and monopolization of resources, you know, uh, and, it, and it starts off as innocently as, you know, wanting to get your kids into a, the, the best school, but not yep. realizing that the system that it is such that only certain kids right. uh, can get into those quote unquote best schools. Like why don't, why aren't all schools the best? Why don't we just make that a priority? You know what I mean? It's right. just like people are saying how uh, on a larger scale, why do the police get so much and the teachers really get next to nothing? Right. Large? Like the, right. it's something like, you know, enforcing <laughs> this system apparently is way more important than educating people. Right. You don't really want a lot of educated people and the people that we want educated need to be educated to think in a certain way. So that like, as you right. said last time, like the whole lack of imagination problem, that's a big part of the lack of lack of imagination problem is that we're enlarging people with this lack of imagination. If you're too imaginative, there's not, there's not a capitalistic model for that really. Right. Right. And then a lot of times it's like, well, imaginative sort of for what? You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, like when you're like uh, in New York City or in San Diego too, like you're walking around and then next thing you know, you have these like musicians who are trying to give you, trying to get you to buy their, um, their like uh, mixtapes and albums and things like that um, to like make some money and spread some word or whatever about their music. And like, Mm -hmm. I've, purchased from them quite a bit, you know, cause I love music. And I'm just like, all right, someone's no one's ever heard of before. It'd be cool if they were great. And then like, you know, now I've got this mixtape and then you listen inevitably it's not great. And then what you realize <laughs> is, is that they're actually better at selling that than they are at making it. 
you know, making it, yeah. And, yeah, 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 exactly. And so, and then it's like, well, if you just applied that same creativity and drive to the music, then, you know, you, you might like actually get somewhere here. And it's the same thing here. It's like, you know, it's like the creativity goes into how you game the system to get more, you know? Yes. And, and then the, um, and then the position that you gain, you want to keep going and you don't want to take a step back. And so even on it, like on a societal level, but then it's one individual at a time, they're making these awful decisions in order to maintain their position. You know what I mean? Like, like think about, um, Jeffrey Epstein is such, uh, is such a fucking awful story and crazy because like it's his girlfriend or his wife or whatever that's like you know grooming these girls and bringing them in and acting as his pimp and all this stuff and he's just like another example of just a group of Jewish people yeah, who's like kind of like friend of unknown connection they still don't yeah. seem to know quite a lot of yeah people. yeah but think about um the Jerry Sandusky um uh Joe Pa situation at Penn State from a bunch of years ago where you had this head coach um, who was basically like a god there on campus and um, was like the definition of like someone who like really, really owned the place in terms of just what his position was there and everything else. And he had this defensive coordinator who was a pedophile. And who was caught multiple times um, in, you know, in these uh, really awful situations with young boys and, um, you know, should have been in jail, you know, the first time he was caught. But they sort of like, you know, dug him a tunnel like out of it so he didn't have to go to prison, like settled out of court with the family um, fired him, but still gave him full access to the facility. He had his own parking spot. Um, you know, the whole idea was that they wanted to be able to tap his brain to, you know, to be as good of a football team as they could possibly be. And so they were willing to enable him to be a child, you know, a, a predator and, um, and to just be able to get away with it basically for decades, you know, and what enabled him to do that was the fact that the head coach, like, didn't want to lose status. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like he wanted every tool in his basket to keep his position. So he enabled space for a, a predator, a, you know, a pet, a, a pedophile to like, not only not go to prison, but to continue to have, um, you know, <laughs> to continue to rape boys. Like, yeah, that's what, that's what was going on there. So, you know, being in the club does a big uh, sex abuse, uh, yeah. gymnastic scandal. Yeah. Is, you know, that goes on and on and on and on. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, we act all, uh, we as a culture act like all, you know, offended when these people get outed, but usually they're outed many, 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 many times before they're quote unquote really outed. And that, yeah. you know, people were complaining uh, long before it came to light of like the nation. Yeah. And so the answer is like, you know, I'm looking at this and, you know, if you're, if someone's a capitalist, you know, and then they're pro this stuff, it's just like, well, then you're pro these behaviors then because it's rewarding those behaviors. We're always like, like there's an expression behind every fortune, there's a crime. And it's absolutely right. true. Right. It's absolutely true. Right. You know what yeah. I mean, it's like a combination between luck 
and criminality. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's 100% true. I mean, the, you look at like um, the, the great names of folks that have profited off of beer and alcohol um, since right. the end of Prohibition. I mean, they were right. all drug dealers during Prohibition and then, during Prohibition, yeah. you know, so yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's, um, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So, um, you know, Thomas Jefferson, I think, really embodies historically the weird inner workings of what it's like to be in the club, you know, because sure. you're left with these like different thoughts that don't fit well together. And some of it is like crazy and you can really spell it. You can really kind of like the, the crazy thoughts you can just write off because they're crazy, you know, like you can just sort of write it off. But I think what then happens is, is that we don't then turn around and apply, you know, sort of how the craziness affects us, you know, and how, and the ways that, that we're sort of crazy. So you look at Thomas Jefferson and it's like, um, you know, he's going to be a sax, he's a Saxonist. He's the, he's the one who pens the way, like the way to steal the land from the native Americans. Um, and yet he has a strong, at least lust drive for this woman named Sally, you know, like that, yeah, like yeah. there's, there's something kind of crazy about that. And then if I were to look at that and go, okay, that's just nuts. It's like, all right, well, that's just nuts. But then I look internally to me and it's like, I live in this nation that I know is built on all of these original sins and you survive despite it, and I survive because of it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, that's completely it. Yeah. So, so it's this divide because, like, you know, I have to look at the hand that feeds me and be like, stop it. You know? <laughs> it's a mind fuck. Yeah, it's it, it's weird to look at it like from like my perspective because like, uh, and, and I'll catch a lot of flack about this, but uh, I I laugh at, at certain things like so like going back uh, you know before both our times obviously was I think it was called uh was it Black Monday or something like that when it was like the first big stock market crash right and uh, you know people were like hurling themselves off of rooftops like like rich people like killing themselves yeah. because they're not going to be millionaires anymore and like yep that's that's hilarious to me like <laughs> like. Yeah, I'm like that. That's weak. That's weak. It's like try living a day in some of our shoes here. Like, yeah, we're yeah. not losing a million. <laughs> some there's people out here who can't can feed themselves. Oh yeah, we're not losing a yeah. million dollars. Like, yeah, if you made a million once, the truth is you can make a million again. It's like calm down. Like, <laughs> right, right. But what you have is you've got you know people like like me essentially who are living perfectly fine, three bedroom apartment, able to afford it, good job, all that stuff you know, not a, you know, a millionaire by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but still, you know, no financial fear, not really. And, um, and yet like that, you know, I think like we talked about yesterday, the one percenters, you know, would slice their wrists open rather than live in my apartment. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And even when you just take your, your average Joe, uh, just looking at again, uh, yet another reason why Trump won the election is because there was, 
up until recently, many, uh, you know, white working class, blue collar working class, white people were doing pretty good. Yep. Not rich, but again, not rich by any stretch of magic, but those jobs are disappearing and are disappearing and disappearing and there's no backup plan. Yep. And, you know, those uh, guys and gals are learning the hard way that the people kept saying, we care about you. It's, it's just talking points. They don't care about you. Yeah. They don't care about working people. Uh, not if it's an inconvenience to them and it's an right. inconvenience to them. So, you know, if they need you for something, they'll give you a call. But if not, they're happy to let you fall into poverty. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And, you know, meanwhile, a lot of those people are looking at uh, black and Latino people and saying, oh, uh, you know, it, it's the Mexicans coming across the border that took the job. No, that's not the Mexicans. <laughs> it's not the right. Mexicans that right. took the jobs. You know what I mean? Uh, yes, some of them got thrown, those jobs got thrown overseas, but, you know, largely is like technology and just the plan was already to always to pay somebody less to do more. Yeah. And then if you can just get a machine to do it for free, that's even better. Right. Uh, so the pattern is going to keep going on and keep going on. I mean, that's gotta be one of the reasons why there's so many white people in these rallies. Like we've talked about this again and again, like almost every rally I see, it's mostly white people in it. Yeah. 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 You know, well, I, uh, I don't know. There's, there's some, I mean, I've done a lot of thinking about like who the millennials are, you know, especially back from my rabbi days. Cause I was like trying to figure out how to make them Jewish basically. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, no, I think, I think um, at some point you kind of back yourself into a corner as a society and then a generation comes along. is just like, all right, what the fuck have you guys been doing? <laughs> and then they just kind of approach their entire lives with that. What the fuck have you guys been doing mindset? And yeah, destroying the air and the water. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> destroying yeah. the planet. Yeah. Uh, essentially, saying it's okay to give people cancer and all kinds of toxins and diseases, and it's yeah. just like, yeah, you know, and keeps right. acting like, oh, we're the irresponsible public for questioning their answers. I mean, right. that affects everybody, not just black. I keep saying this it affects everybody, not just black people. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think they're looking at it and just looking at the situation and, and just feeling like, good Lord, everybody needs to sit down and we need to take over because you guys mm-hmm. don't know what the, what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think there's, there's something to sort of be said about that. But, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's so, it's just freaking crazy. But you know what's like the really interesting I mean, it's also interesting, but to me, like one of the biggest mind fucks of the whole thing is the way in which this like translates from a macro issue to a micro issue and then back to a macro issue. But yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like, you know, there are these like European patterns that we've been talking about this episode um, that, you know, you just sort of see time and time again in terms of how they operate, how we operate, you know, you go into a land befriend the people, take advantage of the people, exploit the people, exploit the land. Um, and it happens on a macro level, like on a society level. But the only reason why that happens is because it happens on a micro level, you know? So like um, episode five, he explores um, something that he's never like really learned about before, which is the, the race, the racial story of where he comes from in Minnesota. And Minnesota has like a certain kind of air and like that, you know, created this uh, narrative about, you know, white people from Northern Europe, the Viking types, Norway, Norwegians, et cetera, you know, wander onto the frozen tundra of Minnesota 
and settle there because they don't know any better because it like you know reminds them of uh you know where they come from and then they build their then they build their mud huts and away they go and you know that's just not the story <laughs> there were people already there um and uh you know they came in appropriated tricked fought wars you know um you know killed and then eventually exiled um forcibly you know forcibly removed and um you know, that's like the, the real story. So it's like, you look at that and it's like, okay, well, there's a Northern state, right? Again, you got that kind of Northern sort of smugness. Um, and, uh, and yet there's this like other kind of like backstory there. And, um, and I, you know, I'm reading that. It's like, God, yeah, that's horrible. But then, you know, because we're, we're on a, we're on a project now trying to rearrange my brain cells is starting to work because the first thing I thought was, all right, well, like, what's the story of where I come from? Do you know what I mean? So like, do you know, do you happen to know? Cause I, I don't know it so well. Um, I started looking at, at Missouri to begin with, and I want to do a deeper dive into upstate New York, but do you know anything about the story of African-Americans and racism in upstate New York? Like the history of it? Yeah. My, my history of that sort of thing is very piecemeal. It's like kind of like all over the place. I don't have like a, a beginning to end. This, this is how it went. And I'm sure that can be constructed in a number of ways. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you would think, right? Like, I know that there were slaves in upstate New York. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I know that. Like, you know, it's not like one of those things where there were only slaves in the South. There, like, were, uh, there were slaves in uh, Orange County, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But so at the I same know, time, what they really want you to focus on is that underground railroad. Now, you know how, how we talk about the retelling yeah, of history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, don't, don't, don't worry about that. We had the underground railroad. Okay, we're right. we're progressives. Like, right. <laughs> right. It's right. like, yeah, that was a couple of years, but the other thing was a lot many more years. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> but um, yeah. So I don't know. Like, I know that, like, you know, there aren't a lot of African-Americans in Goshen, New York, for example. Right. But there are in Newburgh and Middletown. And usually there's a story there in terms of why or how that happens. Um, Mm -hmm. It's one of the things that they say, like if it settles in like that, then that usually means that there's, there's a story there as to like how that went down. Um, And so I thought about it and I looked back at Missouri where my family's from the Ozarks. We founded a, a small town along the current river in the, in Southern Ozarks called Van Buren. And then, but way in the Southern Ozarks, you've got this town called Springfield, which I have a lot of family that lives in Springfield. So Springfield, Missouri. And, um, you know, it's a, not quite a city, but it's like a large town. It's considered to be like the queen city, the Ozarks basically. Um, and, uh, it's a very quaint place. It's also a pretty religious place. The Assembly of God uh, denomination has their base there. And so there's a lot of like Baptist, Pentecostal types, et cetera. Um, and so like very much has that kind of Midwestern feel. And um, and there were African-Americans living there. And then in the 1900s, there was a riot and they were all kicked out. Um, and uh, And now... This, there is a population of African-Americans who live there, but um, it's a lot smaller than it would have been. Um, and yeah, so that, that seems to be the story of every state in the country. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really crazy when you think about, but also makes a lot of sense if if you are looking at the story with the right sort of neural pathways set in place, you know, because it's just like, oh, yeah, obviously, 
Wouldn't that, I mean, that would make sense, yeah. right? And like, so why wouldn't it also be that when they're, when they're kicked out of Springfield, they would have fled into the hills and then perhaps tried to settle some of the smaller towns, you know, or been there already. And then the, you know, the race riots in Springfield would have sort of pushed them out of the Ozarks period. Right. So mm-hmm. you look at like, you know, Appalachia and the Ozarks and these different places where, you know, you wouldn't expect to see African-Americans driving into those towns. Well, that there's there, I guess what we're seeing here is that there's a reason for that. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not because African-Americans as a race prefer to be in cities or can't farm. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, right, right. If anything, the, the the whites at that time were actually afraid of African-American former slaves or whatever, like settling in those places or being in those places because they were the ones who were farming the whole time. Yeah, of course. So they were really good at it. Generationally, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, knew how to do it and had that technology. And the white people who, who weren't, you know, on these major kind of farms weren't going to be able to compete with them. Yeah. So they couldn't let him in, right? <laughs> but yeah, we like that hey. monopoly going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's just it's just crazy. But I I don't even know like where do you go to find out like the real story of Goshen, New York? You know, there's, there's got to be some kind of uh, historical society, and it just depends on how much those people uh, keep track of the real history. I mean, let's take a look right now. Um, <laughs> black Americans were in Orange County back in the 1600s. Um, the Dutch, oh yeah, I mean, the Dutch West India Company, New Amsterdam. There had to be millions of slaves in New York. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> anyway, I, I mean, I just feel like, the, I think it's like a really interesting question of like, you know, how are these stories, like how do these stories play out on the, pulled back societal level down to the community level and then down to the individual level. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, it's like this overall just like group think of like, this is what it's like to be in the club and it's nice here. You don't want to leave. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I suppose I wouldn't want to leave either. (laughs) Yeah, I mean they're they're playing, you know, they're playing um, the human emotions in that way. Um, I don't know. Um, was there anything? Uh, the third episode, you know, episode six is really interesting as well because it it breaks down um, kind of the differences between what northern racism looks like and what southern racism looks like in America, and um, that's a really interesting thing too because you see, it's not it's not. I mean, it's all kind of like sort of you know, I don't even know what the right metaphor is, but um, it's the same thing, but different, just sort of disguised differently. Like it's still racism, but it's just kind of disguised differently. And, you know, they're talking about in the South, they, um, you know, uh, love the person, hate the people. So a Southerner Mm -hmm. will be as close to you as possible, but not want you to ever do well and, you know, vote down laws that could be really helpful, for example. And then in the North, it's, uh, you know, love the people, hate the person, which is to say that, like, you know, white people up North will 
you know, pass laws and whatever and, and be liberal and vote for things that might be helpful for uh, minorities, but at the same time uh, want you to stay in your neighborhoods and, you know, not go to their neighborhoods, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, all, all I can say about that entire episode is like, we're, we were never fooled by either, <laughs> either way, yeah. you know, either form of racism. Like, so yeah, it, that might have been the one that resonated the least uh, for me. It's just like, yeah, I know, like, whatever. It's, <laughs> it hurts all the same. <laughs> Two sides <laughs> of the same coin. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, do you want to get hit with a left hook or a right hook? Like, uh, I don't know, man, whatever you're going to do. Like, <laughs> I'm getting hit either way. Like, what's easier for you, I guess, at this point? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's your stronger arm? You left or right? I'll, I can take it. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the net, the net result is the same. Right. Like, the same. Yeah. yeah. The net result is exactly the same. Because, you know, you can pass as many laws as you want to say, oh, yeah, black people are equal and this is protected and that's protected, but then they don't enforce it anyway. So, yeah. Yeah. And you're not treated the same. Yeah. Um, and just because yeah. another place wants to smile in your face, but, you know, when they go to the ballot box, it's like they're, they're voting completely contrary to your life and livelihood. So, so, yep. you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's exactly, so either, exactly either way. It's just like a lot of talking and a lot of negative action. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, you know, this whole thing is like, um, you know, I thought I kind of thought that I was walking around my eyes open already. And um, what I'm realizing is that now I had them, I had them covered for a lot of a lot of stuff. So I, I couldn't have I mean, I could have maybe spoken to you intellectually a little bit about the differences between northern racism and southern racism. I and mean, we've certainly talked about, you know, Boston and Chicago and New York. I think we even talked about this last episode. But uh, um, to like know to put it like that, you know, uh, like, um, I don't know. It's really interesting. You know, I've seen that in Israel too, where, um, I've seen like a Jewish Israeli feel really, really comfortable around a Palestinian and be able to like, you know, talk to them with like a deep, deep comfort. Meanwhile, I know that that Israeli is like, right wing and what would you know be happy to go to war with the palestinians and wants them out of the country and all that stuff meanwhile i'm not for any of that shit and you know walking the streets of jerusalem i feel nervous as fuck when palestinians are walking towards me you know like (laughs) checking their person like you know it's like okay i don't know do i feel safe okay i think we're good (laughs) like so like that like that you know it's a fascinating kind of, uh, you know, reveal in terms of um, kind of how the human mind works here and, you know, how we hate, I guess. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know. So I just like at this stage, like, you know, I don't know. There's there's stuff in those three episodes that like I kind of like I'd love to do a deep dive in. But at the same time, I'm like, I <laughs> it's not like it's it's a big jumbled mess in my head i guess is what i'm right. saying and and i'm i'm having a hard time like assimilating all of it and um trying to figure out what it means and i'm not sure if it's just because i'm exhausted thinking about it at this point or i don't even i don't even know what but is this resonating with you? Does this like? <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it, but not at all. <laughs> <I got it. laughs> not, not even a little. 
Because because I'm I'm stuck on the like okay well now what right <laughs> yeah right. I keep going back to that like I know right. you're trying to figure yourself out and like you know make yourself a better person and all that but I'm kind of like not to be a jerk but like I kind of don't don't have time for that <laughs> yeah no like I, I need I need things to change like you know no. so it's like you know everyone's going to be in like a mental turmoil pie for the next two generations but in in the meantime there are concrete actions we can take. Yeah. Yeah. As individuals, as governments and like, you know, as groups and corporations and things like that. Yeah. Uh, Want to tell me what some of them are? <laughs> <laughs> Easiest one probably for anybody and everybody is like uh, vote with your dollars. All right. So, all right. You don't want to tear down capitalism. Fine, I guess <laughs> you got to give that you got to give that money to people who are essentially not part of the the system. Like right. everything from your groceries to like your your energy. Like, uh, you know, why are we still you know paying for like coal and uh, gas, oil, and things like this? Uh, why are we still going to major uh, supermarkets? rather than like, you know, the local ethnic guy shop or something like that, like check out like the rest of your town and like give some of that money to somebody else. Like Amazon doesn't need any more of it. They're fine. Like right. Walmart doesn't need any more of it. They're fine. Like, right. and, and we know what their, what their values are. They're not pro working class person at all. Right. Uh, they're not pro freedom at all. And they're certainly not anti-capitalist <laughs> and they right. could really give two F's about, you know, uh, civil rights or equality or any of that. Right. So if we can enlarge the people who need the help and who are doing the work, that's a big step forward. And that's just something you can look at like every day, like who actually owns this business right. and what are they about? Right. 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 And, you know, when someone else does the work and then you find out through their work, then it's like, okay, happy not to shop, you know, happy not to, I've never been like gone to Chick-fil-A, for example. <laughs> Right, right, right. Papa John's pizza. No, I don't, I don't do that. You know, right. Um, but you know, it's not like I found that shit out like by looking into it myself. It just became part of the zeitgeist, and then you just don't do it. Um, but yeah, I'm not and, like and right now. There's a lot of people like on Twitter, and I'm sure on other places, uh, yeah. posting lists of things that are you know black owned, uh, indigenous owned, yeah. Mexican owned, yeah. and so on and so forth. Yeah. That, you know, we can we just. Some, you're going to spend the money anyway. Might as well <laughs> do it there. It's, the product's probably better in a lot of those situations anyway, because a lot of that stuff's going to be have a personal touch, and it's not from some anonymous factory that where people are uh, abused and underaged overseas or something. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, all right. I'm going to go do that. I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, serious. Like, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. like that's an excellent place to start, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'm gonna start doing that. Um, and next episode, I'll report back to you in terms of what I find. Fuck, that means I can't shop at my grocery store. I got to find a different grocery store to shop. Like, no, <laughs> corner stores. All right, let me see. I'm gonna have to do some research. You'll, you'll, you'll probably have to head to several stores. Uh, is probably what it's gonna be. Probably, probably. Although I, I like the kind of farmer's market, but sometimes like they kind of fool you at a farmer's market where you're like, oh, this yeah, is a, yeah, <laughs> you know, a really a corporation, you know, it's like, where did you find these quaint plastic bottles? But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do some, uh, do some looks in there, but I, you know, I, I don't like, 
for me, like I get your pushback and I, and I'm like, I'm almost there, but I'm yeah, just, yeah. I'm so concerned about blind spots. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I think like that is, that is what it means to be in the club, in the white, in, mm-hmm. in the white person club is that in order to be in the club, you sign, you agree to not notice certain things. Um, right. And then you just walk around sort of fine because of it. And uh, it's those blind spots that are going to keep me, you know, I don't know, aware in terms of what I need to do. And then also, I think, keep me going in terms of like, you know, it's it's hard to be out in the street fighting the fight when you have a really comfortable bed at home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Like, it's just, it's hard to do that. And like, yeah. you have to, but you like, I don't know. Well, that's that's why there's a lot of people in the street because uh, there's a whole generation coming up of people that have nothing to lose because they've been right. getting stepped on, right? And, and you know, so now now it's like, all right, you're a very, very young person. Let's say, mm-hmm. not only have you been stepped on already, but you're educated enough to know uh, largely because of the internet, because even if your school doesn't teach you, you can look it up, right? Uh, there's no prospects. There's no real prospects for like most of them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe your school is integrated enough that even if you're going to make it, you're going to see like 90% of the rest of your class is not going to make it. Yeah. And like, how does that make you feel? You yep. know? And then what does making it mean? Making it means, okay, you're financially secure as the other. Oh, but, uh, you know, lead in the water. <laughs> right. Questionable food practices. Right. Like all these, uh, you know, crazy things, greenhouse gases, baking the planet, you know, uh, never going to do anything about uh, guns, gun violence and so on and so forth. It's like, so is ma- making it for one of the few is going to make it like for the first time. It's like, is it actually worth it? Right. Is it actually right. worth it? Is there going to be an, an earth? I mean, this is a, also the generation where we have the capacity to destroy. We humans have the capacity to destroy the planet many, many, many times over. Right. And we seem to be like, you know, gleefully tapped into that direction. Yeah. It's like, so does making it really matter? You know, a lot of people are making that decision. It's like, it's not, not really worth it. Right. And, right. you know, and this is worldwide now because they wanted a globalist economy. So this is the fruits of a globalist economy. Right. Everyone is in the same mess right now and seeing all the governments do some version of the same thing. And, you know, you can't push people in the corner of hopelessness. I mean, you mentioned uh, the Israelis and Palestinians. Like that, that's why that conflict is not going to end because right. the Israelis pushed the uh, Palestinians into a corner of complete and utter hopelessness. Right. Like, what do you have to lose? Like, you know, we used to have in this country like an illusion that there was like some kind of ladder. You know, you work right. really hard. You follow the rules and the law, and you'll you'll make it. Uh, well, wasn't necessarily true, but they were able to maintain that illusion. They can't maintain that illusion anymore. And this uh, brings us back to the widest metaphor I've ever given you. After we finished recording <laughs> yesterday, I didn't make the recording, but I think it probably fits here, right? Like, you know, everyone's talking about defunding the police, and. You know, that certainly seemed like a crazy idea at first, but the more you look at it, it's like, yeah, no, that's kind of what you have to do. You have to draw a boundary, you know, 
between the what the police has always been and what it needs to be moving forward. And the only way you do that is by shutting it down and building something new. Um, and then, and then, uh, you know, I said, uh, it's like when you're fucking, um, you know, you want to go and you fix, you want to fix up the bathroom and like redo the pipes and redo your bathroom and get like a new bathroom in that space. And then next thing you know, you're having to replace the roof because one thing leads to another. And, you know, every time we talk and the more we, I think about this, the more I'm, you know, really seeing what you're saying here and honestly coming over to your side in terms of like, this isn't about the police. You can fix the police, but the capitalists are still there and it's still exploitative. You know, that's like how you get ahead in it is by figuring out how to exploit. And, um, that's, uh, just an, obviously an awful reality. So, you know, in the process of defunding the police and replacing them and fixing the bathroom, I think you're right. I think ultimately the the conclusion is going to have to be, no, we, we could kind of need to rebuild the whole house, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The house needs to be burnt down and rebuilt. Yeah. 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 Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. All right. Um Jesus, I don't, I don't have anything else to talk about for this episode. My <laughs> brain is melted, dude. Oh, fucking, oh, God. Do you have anything else you want to bring out about these three particular episodes of Seeing White? Any other points you wanted to make today? And then if not, then I, I want to keep pushing it. So let's look at maybe recording uh, later this week or something like that. But uh, um, yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm good for this one. A- anything else is, is it going to include uh, having not only be an FBI watch list, but NSA and <laughs> Homeland as well? Let's do that. Let's do that the next episode. I mean, it's going to get there. Yeah. It's going to get there. So we'll do that the next episode. But, um, oh man, oh man. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Fuck. I'm just going to go hit my head against the wall for a little while. <sighs> Even, even the dog is telling us to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> like, stop. I don't know how to tell you. You're taking too far. Uh, yep. Yeah. All right. Talk to you next time, Dre. <laughs> All right. I'm going to stop recording again. <laughs>